ज्ञानाचलाखा चक्षुरोन्मिताीगुरुपे नम श्रीचैतनोभीषा स्थूतले स्वयं रूपाकताजाति स्वापतिकेहम श्रीगुरो श्रीजुथापतकमल श्रीगुरोपीवाथम परिजनाचैतन्यतेवाहकनालिताशाका हे कृष्णा करुणा सिंधु दीनाबंधु जगतपथे गोपेशा गोपिका खांडा राधा खांड नमोस्तते थप्त खंचना गौरांगी राधे वृंदाबनेश्वरी वृषभानु सुधे देवी प्रणमामी हरि प्रिय वंशकूप्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पथिता भावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नम श्रीकृष्णचैतन्य प्रभु निनंदाद्वैताधार श्रीवासरी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे नमा ओम विष्णुपदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमथे भक्ति नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पश्चतधारिणे I am very grateful, very honored, 
and most happy to be with all of you today. This is something very special, very auspicious. Um, the Bhakti Center is organizing this satsang gathering of sincere souls, especially to hear about the nine processes of devotional service. And in these various sessions, um, sincere, devoted, compassionate, learned devotees will be going deeply into each of these nine processes of bhakti. And please, if possible, um, attend each of these sessions. I have been asked to give a very brief overview. When Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was on his South Indian tour, he came to the very holy place of Udupi, one of the most important, famous, and popular temples in all of India is there in Udupi. It's the seat of Sripad Madhvacharya. While there, Lord Chaitanya met great saints and scholars and posed a question to them. What is the highest aspiration and the supreme goal of life and how to achieve it. And there were various responses. One was if one engages in one's occupational duties, if one expresses his sincerity within his or her sincerity within their ashram in a way that pleases Krishna or the Supreme Lord, then one achieves perfection. And Lord Chaitanya heard and then gave his conclusive answer to his own question. Um, to understand this in a condensed, concentrated, and simple form is a great blessing. Lord Chaitanya said, the supreme goal of life is to awaken from within one's heart one's ecstatic, pure, unmotivated, uninterrupted love for Krishna. To love God with all one's heart, mind, soul is the highest perfection of life. And Lord Chaitanya said the path to do so is by carefully following the nine process 
of devotional service. These nine processes of devotional service was so important to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that the holiest land where he took birth and where he established the Sankirtan movement is Navadweep, which has nine islands. And each of these islands represents one of the nine processes of devotional service. And Lord Chaitanya, our holy scriptures and saints tell us that any one of these processes of bhakti is so powerful if we practice it sincerely we can achieve the ultimate goal of ecstatic love for krishna one can follow any one of them one can follow all of them or one can follow a mixture of any of them and achieve the same goal Lord Chaitanya, through Rupa Goswami, gave us this treasure of a teaching. Anyabilashita sunyam jnana karamanya navitam. Anukulyena krishnanu silanam bhaktar uttama. That true bhakti, true devotion is when our bodies, our minds, our words, our very life is dedicated to favorably pleasing the Supreme Lord. And it is without desire for fame or recognition, without desire for the treasures of this perishing world, without desires for gaining supernatural powers through the yoga process, without even the desire for liberation from suffering. The object and the ultimate purpose of our spiritual practice is to please Krishna. And... <clears throat> Krishna tells in Bhagavad Gita, the only thing that really pleases him is love. In whatever role or position we may be in, if we offer even a leaf, a fruit, a flower, or a little water with love, Krishna will be pleased. Not only is Krishna pleased, but when our love is pure, when our love is without selfish motivation, without egoism, then by Krishna's own supreme divine nature, he enjoys being conquered by that love. Bhaktivatsal. Krishna yearns to be subordinate to the love of a devotee. There is a beautiful poem and a wonderful pastime given in our scriptures where uh, 
Where Krishna, he, he takes the form of a little baby on a banyan tree leaf he's laying and he's like a little baby sucking on his toe. Now, why would God suck on his own toe? Um, we've already understood from previous um, passages in the Srimad Bhagavatam, the supreme power of the absolute truth, the creator, the maintainer, the annihilator of everything that exists. Krishna tells, I'm the source of all spiritual worlds, of all material worlds. I'm the father and the mother of every living being everywhere. Everything and everyone emanates from me. And then Krishna explains what real knowledge is. Wisdom. Those who worship me with all their hearts. And one who does so, the supreme all-powerful becomes overpowered. That is the nature of love. In this world, we have some glimpse of a reflection of the true love that has its origin in the spiritual realm. This true love between God, Bhagavan, the Supreme, and the pure soul, the living force within our hearts. And <clears throat> that love is the all-pervading reality within the light of truth. And in this world, we see how people are conquered by their love for another. And its perfection is in Krishna. Krishna is achutya, achintya. He is inconceivable and unconquerable. But he wants to be conquered by the love of a devotee. This is declared to be the deepest of all mysteries. And that love, Lord Chaitanya taught, is within the heart of everyone. Because we have been emanating from the Supreme. We could say we have been created as spirit souls for the purpose of participating in that love. Prem Ananda, the ecstasy of that love. And it is in search of that love that everything is 
happening in all spiritual and material worlds. Whatever we see in this material world, whatever pleasures people are trying to find, whatever pains people are trying to avoid, it's all directly or indirectly in search of that ananda, of the pleasure of that love. Jeev jago, jeev jago, goda chandra bole. Kota nidra jayo maya pisachira kole. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu declares, wake up, wake up. This is your real treasure to experience the limitless love for Krishna. The sun planet in the sky, um, we see how much heat and how much light it emits. And what are each of us compared to the sun planet? If, if you or me, whether we're in good health or bad health, whether we're champion athletes or whether we're old people, if we were to be tossed directly upon the sun planet, it really wouldn't make much difference. We would be, the sun planet is, is so many millions of times bigger than this earth planet. And it's fire. Well, the sun planet is not even a tiny little spark of the light of Krishna's energy. And the light of Krishna's energy, his Shakti, personified in Sri Radha, is Krishna's love for us. Sri Radha's love for us. It is so great. It is so overpowering. It is so infinite. And every spirit soul, every living being is actually created to access that. That is our potential. The purpose of dharma, the purpose of life itself is to access that love, that infinite, inconceivable, everlasting love. When we say God is great, we can never fathom the greatness of God. Um, Lord Chaitanya describes, when he's, when he's describing Krishna and the path of devotion to Krishna, he said the subject is like an ocean that has no bottom and has no shores. It's an infinite ocean. How could anyone explain it? But then he said, but just by understanding a portion of a single drop, one can attain the ultimate perfection of accessing all the mercy of that ocean. Karuna Sindhu. Hey, Krishna, Karuna Sindhu. Krishna is an ocean of mercy. And that mercy is prema. Prema nidhi the ocean of love, the treasure of love. People are seeking wealth and people are in such states of insecurity about economic situation. And that's natural in this world because we have to make ends meet and we have to do the best we can within this world to keep body and, and mind and soul fit. But it should be with the 
with the understanding and the purpose that the real treasure that the heart and the soul is yearning for is to connect with God's love. The sweetest, the most infinitely beautiful experience that's inherent within us. So Lord Chaitanya is Krishna's coming. God, the supreme controller of all controller, is his coming to this world in this incarnation to beg us. Such love, beg us, please wake up. I'm feeling suffering to see your suffering. Wake up. And the means to wake up is these beautiful nine processes of devotional service. And we will find, if we explore in a broader context, um, at the very heart of all religions and all spiritual paths are one or more of these nine processes of devotional service. Prahlad Maharaj. He beautifully enunciates in a verse in the seventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam um, this jewel of direction for all of us. Saravanam kirtanam Vishnu smaranam padasevanam archanam bandanam dasyam sakyam atmanivedanam that when one is in a perfect state of pure self-realization, enlightenment, ecstatic love, then one is totally absorbed in practicing these nine processes of devotional service. And at the same time, the means by which we can achieve that love is to practice the nine process of devotional service. There was a very, very beloved poet who lived about 450 years ago. Um, his name was Govinda Kaviraj, the younger brother of Ramchandra Kaviraj. He was a disciple of Srinivasacharya, and he and his brother were the very best, intimate, loving friends of Srila Narottam Das Thakur. Um, there are beautiful stories about him, because when we understand something about a person, we, we, we get a a more intimate experience of what they have spoken or what they have contributed to us. Just like with our beloved Srila Prabhupada, um, we, we read his books, which our Prabhupada explained, they are my devotional ecstasies. Srila Prabhupada took 
the commentaries, the realizations of all the previous avatars and all the previous acharyas and concentrated them, condensed them in a, in a very simple form to present his translations and purports. But still, when we, when we read and when we hear about Srila Prabhupada's life and his qualities and his various relationships, it gives a special intimate sweetness to his teachings and his words. So Govinda Kaviraj, he was very dear to all the devotees. Um, after Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda departed from this world, um, Janavi Devi, Ishwari Janava became the prominent acharya of our sampradaya or, or of our community. And she was um, the consort, the wife of Nityananda Prabhu. And everybody, the greatest scholars, the greatest renunciates, um, they offer the highest honor and took shelter of Janava Devi. And Janava Devi is a true Acharya, a true enlightened spiritual teacher. She was simply eager to serve everyone in a very motherly way. So she, she, after this glorious festival in Ketri, where Narottam Das Thakur and Srinivas and Charya and others had the first birthday ceremony for Lord Chaitanya after he departed, Gaur Purnima. Um, Janava Devi um, brought some of her closest associates with her to go on a pilgrimage to Brindaban. And while she was in Brindaban, she met all of the Goswamis who were still there, Jiva Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, um, Lokanath Goswami, Bhugarbha Goswami. They were all together among so many other of their associates. And it was such a joy for Janava Devi to share with them the poetry of Govinda Kaviraj. Um, this gives us such a beautiful um, window into what real spiritual joy is. To, to share and celebrate the gifts and accomplishments and sincere efforts of other devotees. In the material sense, there is a type of competition where we feel insecure when somebody does something good, especially where in areas where we want to do good. And um, we may speak very nicely, but in our hearts, we may feel, oh, why not me? And, you know, the tendency is not even to speak very nicely. <laughs> But this is the path of perfection, and this is actually a symptom 
that we're in a healthy spiritual condition, that we feel joy to see others being blessed and empowered by Krishna. Envy is at the very root of material disease. And the very opposite of envy is compassion, appreciation, respect, and love. So Janavi Devi with great happiness presented Govinda Kaviraj and shared her, his name at that time was Govinda. And they, and, and his songs were sung, his prayers were sung, and all the Goswamis of Vrindavan were in such an intoxicated state of joy hearing it that they blessed Govinda and gave him the title Kaviraj, the king of poets. And one of the dearmost songs that um, was composed at that time by Govinda Kaviraj, sung by Srila Prabhupada, and sung by devotees all over the world now, um, especially in times of crisis. Um, His Holiness Naranjan Swami Maharaj would sometimes tell me that when when he was in the this former Soviet Union at the time when it was still under um, the communist regime and there was so much persecution and so much danger and so much um, suffering. That he would lead this bhajan and the devotees would be crying out the words of this song. Bajahure mana Srinanda nandana Abhoyat sharanara vindare Dulabamanava Janama satsange Taroho ebavo Sindhore Govinda Kaviraj is praying to his own mind, to his own heart. My dear mind, please worship Srinandanandana, an intimate, beautiful name of Krishna. Because by taking shelter of the Supreme Lord, one becomes fearless. This is a very deep, significant idea because we're all searching for happiness. When we take shelter of the Lord, in that shelter, we become fearless. In that in that type of fearlessness in the shelter of the Lord, 
it's like the fever of material infection is removed and then it's the true light of the joy of the soul shines. The type of fearlessness doesn't mean like a hero in this material sense that's just, you know, charges into the battlefield or um, um, fearlessly risks one's life in activism. But when one finds fearlessness in Chadanadavindari, in the in the shelter of the Lord. One's heart is pure. And one tastes the sweetness of God's love. And he gives so many beautiful, humble um, expressions of the situation that people are in in this world. Edana Yovana. He says that all the things that we're attached to in this world, our wealth, our social position, our fame, our abilities, our family members, our loved ones, in the material sense, they're all like a drop of water on a lotus leaf. It's very nice when it's there, but we know for sure at any moment it's going to slip away and be gone forever. So let me, let me take shelter of the Supreme Lord. Let me search for my pleasure and my, and my happiness in the Supreme Lord. And then Govinda Das concludes the song um, by opening the doors of how to do so with this eternal message. Saravana kirtana smarana bandana pada sevana dasyare pujana sakijana atmani vedana govinda dasabhi lasare Govinda Das is taking shelter of the Lord. Govinda Das is worshiping the Lord. Govinda Das is praying to his mind to follow carefully, sincerely these nine processes of devotional service. And I'd like to discuss very briefly the nine processes. The first is shravanam, or hearing. It's the beginning of our spiritual life to hear the truth from sources that are founded in the truth. Um, Govinda Das began his song um, that the rarest, most valuable thing in all of creation is the opportunity to associate with people who are enlightened 
or who are sincerely seeking that enlightenment. And at the beginning, we hear the very foundation of all our spiritual practice comes from shravanam, from hearing. Um, we hear the holy names, we hear the importance of the chanting of the holy names, and then we know how and what to chant. We hear what is God, we hear the nature of the soul. Um, we find at the beginning of, um, of every spiritual practice, there's the hearing of the message. When we read the Holy Scriptures, when we read the words of the great souls, we're hearing Shravanam. In all the great religions of the world, we find teachers and the beginning of all their students' lives is their hearing. In the Bhagavad Gita, um, the beginning was not just Krishna speaking. The beginning was Krishna through his devotee Arjuna teaching us how to hear. Arjuna was not hearing out of um, an academic, academic pursuit so that he can um, you know, teach others and get degrees. He wasn't hearing out of curiosity. He wasn't hearing as a, as a nice way of being pious. He was hearing because he was starving for truth. He was in a condition where there was desperation. Karbanya dosopa daswabhava. Krishna, please instruct me. And actually, in each of these nine processes, there is a particular great devotee who exemplify how to achieve perfection by practicing that particular process. And in Shravanam are hearing the person who represents is Parikshit Maharaj. Simply by hearing, he attained the ultimate perfection of life. But how did he hear? Um, he was cursed to die in seven days. In those seven days, he could have done anything he wanted because he was the emperor of the world. He had vast treasures of money. He had vast influence. He could have enjoyed in any way. He could have done anything in those last seven days. But he, he left his throne. He left his jewels and his royal clothes. In a simple loincloth, he sat on the banks of the river Ganges and begged the saintly people, please speak to me. What is the goal of life? 
what is true religion? What is the prime duty of a person about to die? And in seven days he attained the highest perfection just by hearing. Srinvatam Svakata Krishna Punjasravana Kirtana Hridyantastohya Bhadrani Vidunoti Suhritsatam when one develops a true taste for hearing the glories of the Lord, the teachings of the Lord, the goal of life, then Krishna, who's seated within the heart of every living being, is so pleased by our sincerity that from within the heart, Krishna awakens the light of faith and ultimately of love. Nashta prayeshya padreshu nityam bhagavati sevaya. Bhagavati uttama shloke bhaktir bhavati naishtaki. By regularly hearing, like medicine, if we have a chronic disease, we don't just take medicine one time or whenever we feel like it. According to um, the expert doctor or physician, we're given a way to take the medicine. So God himself, Krishna himself, is teaching us how to take the medicine of hearing on a regular basis. Each and every day, to put some time aside to hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Gita, the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, and those literatures that are revealing the truths of these holy doctrines. And there's a key secret that gives our hearing the potency to please the Lord. When we associate with sincere devotees of the Lord, enlightened, compassionate people, and we are eager to serve them. Krishna is so pleased with that service attitude that when we hear, Krishna actually transforms us through that sound vibration. The vibration transforms us according to how Krishna is pleased with the sincerity in which we are hearing. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Gopi Bhartur Padakamaliyora Dasa 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 Das. This service attitude is so important. It acts Activates all the nine processes of devotional service. The second process is kirtanam, to chant. Sukadev Goswami, he attained the ultimate perfection simply by speaking the Srimad Bhagavatam. Kirtanam means kirtan, singing together. Kirtana means japa, chanting individually on our beads. Kirtana means speaking the glories of the Lord, the teachings of the Lord. Kirtanam is 
being an instrument of Krishna's compassion to enlighten others. And in the process, we become enlightened. Kalerado sanidera janastihe kumahanguna kirtanadeva krishnasya mukta sangha param brajet. In this age of Kali, there are so many discrepancies, so many faults. And we're very much seeing it today. And it's not going to go away for a long time. There may be different um, ups and downs. It's just like if you're way, way high up in the Himalayas, there may be certain places that are not as high as others, but everything's really high. Similarly, um, in the age of Kali, um, there may be times that seem to be better than others. But Janma Mrityav Yarad that padam padam yadvi padam natesham there's danger at every step and there's birth old age disease and death come so rapidly in this age so much hypocrisy so much envy so much hatred so much exploitation of natural resources that creates um ecological reactions um you know the, i was just speaking with my beloved god brother Shamsundar Prabhu and he's in Oregon and he was telling me about these blazing forest fires that are happening there. And in the morning we chant a beautiful prayer, samsara dhavanaladi daloka, that essentially in this age of Kali Yuga, this whole world is like a blazing forest fire. And the grace of God that comes to our gurus are like the incredible rain cloud that can extinguish that blazing forest fire from affecting our hearts. So this age of Kali is so much ocean of faults, blazing forest fire of problems. But there's one benediction. Simply chanting God's holy names, simply glorifying the Lord, one can attain the supreme perfection of liberation. Hadarnama, 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 Eva Kevalam, Kalo Nasteva, 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 Gatiranyata. It's the most specific, direct, only way by which we can awaken this love for God is taking shelter of the Supreme, especially in the transcendental sound of the Holy Name. Nama Chintamani Krishna's Chaitanya Rasvigra. The Lord has um, incarnated with all of his love, all of his sweetness, all of his powers, all of his glory in the sound vibration of his many names. Nam Nama Kari Nija Sarva Shaktis. The Lord has many names revealed at different times, and all are invested with the Lord's presence. So these two processes, Sravanam Kirtanam, are inseparable from each other. The when we're chanting the 
the purification, the cleansing of our heart is we're concentrating on hearing as we're chanting. Next is smadarnam. Smadarnam um, is remembering. There's a beautiful verse that Srila Prabhupada taught us. Um, Om pavitra pavitro vasra vavastam gatopiva yasmaret pundarikaksham sabhayabhyantara suchi. That whether we're pure or impure or having passed through any type of situation of life, if we sincerely remember the beautiful lotus-eyed loving personality of Godhead, we become purified within and without. Because Krishna in this verse is pavitra, supremely pure. And by coming in contact with the pure, we become purified. Um, <clears throat> Antakali chamamivas mananvakvakalevaram. The Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells, if you just remember me at the time of death, you will achieve me without fail. And in many ways, life is to be the best and do the best we can in this world while we're here, but also to prepare ourselves for the inevitable. If we practice remembering Krishna, remembering God in this during our life, and we become absorbed in that remembrance, then um, naturally we will remember Krishna at the time of death. The Lord reciprocates with the sincerity of how we take shelter. Prahlad Maharaj is the example given of one who attained perfection by remembering. And Prahlad Maharaj lived a very long life. Um, when he was just hardly five years old, he became a king. And after becoming king, he lived with... It, with such peace, with such comfort in all directions. But why we hear so little about Prahlad during those so many years when he was living in success and comfort? We only hear about that one year when he was five years old. <laughs> because it was at that because Prahlad Maharaj was remembering the Lord just the same way throughout his whole life. But why do the great saints and scriptures focus on that one time when he was five years old? Why isn't there literatures and literatures about the rest of his life? Because it was a time when he was in great crisis. Um, Similarly, with Arjuna or with Parikshit, the idea of how they heard 
is especially emphasized at the time when they were hearing in a crisis. Arjuna was just about to see a terrible battle take place and he didn't know what to do and Pariksit was about to die. That's how they heard. And Sukadev Goswami, when he, he was speaking about Krishna all of his life, but why we focus on the Srimad Bhagavatam? Because he spoke that at a time of tremendous world crisis. The emperor of the world, who everyone loved, was about to die. He was cursed. Sukadev Goswami was speaking the Srimad Bhagavatam for him. It was a time of urgency. And little Prahlad, how he remembered Bhagavan Sri Narayan, how he remembered the Lord even when he was being persecuted. His father, Hiranyakashipu, was a tyrant, a terrorist. He wanted to murder Prahlad. He was intimidating him. He was torturing him. And in each situation, whether he was thrown in a pit of snakes, whether he was fed deadly poison, whether he was held in blazing fire, whether he was put down at the bottom of an ocean, whether he was stampeded by massive elephants, whether he was in a pit where powerful warriors were trying to stab him to death with spears and tridents and swords. Prahlad Vushanti. He was completely peaceful because he was remembering Krishna. Mare Krishna Rake Ke Rake Krishna Mare Ke. Krishna, if you want to save me, what do I have to fear? And if you want to and if you want to kill me, what do I have to fear? If I remember you, I will go to you. Such remembrance. Remembering the beautiful form of the Lord, remembering the beautiful teachings of the Lord, remembering the pastimes of the Lord and the names of the Lord, to be absorbed in remembering. All the various processes of devotional service are so interconnected with one another because whatever form of devotional service, whatever we're doing, our true connection with, with Krishna is how we're absorbed absorbed in hearing, absorbed in chanting, absorbed in worshiping, absorbed in serving. And that absorption is smaranam. It's remembering. Prahlad Maharaj, in this time when his father asked him, what is the best education the favorite subject that you have in school. Prahlad Maharaj understood his father's temperament. All he had to do is say, I like mathematics. And his father would have just embraced him and smelled his head with so much affection and just given him every type of enjoyment. Would have been so simple. But how did he reply? 
Sravana Kirtana Smarana Vandana Padasevana Dasyade Sravana Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Padasevana Marchanam Vandanam Dasyam Sakyam Atmani Vedanam my Lord, these nine processes of devotional service, and he listed all of them. He said, by following them, one attains perfection and one expresses the highest perfection. And it was at that point that Hiranyakashipu was totally committed to murdering Prahlad. And he, it was amazing because no matter what Hiranyakashipu did, he couldn't even get Prahlad to be angry at him. He couldn't even get Prahlad to, to have a negative reaction because Prahlad was so absorbed in remembering the beloved Lord, sincerely taking shelter of Krishna through remembrance. Maro virako bijo ichatoha nityadasa prati tua adhikar. Bhakti Vinod Thakur, he's remembering Krishna in this way. If you like, you can kill me. If you like, you can protect me. Whatever you want to do, I am your eternal servant. Throughout our Vedic literatures, there are examples. Gajendra the elephant, he was enjoying his life tremendously. And then when he was in the grips of a crocodile on the verge of death, he remembered from a previous life his devotional service to Krishna. And he took shelter of that remembrance. The next limb of bhakti is padasevanam, serving the lotus feet of the Lord. Um, this includes serving the devotees of the Lord. It includes going to holy places of pilgrimage. Um, the, the example of this loving service expressed active loving service in a personal way to the Lord is Lakshmi Devi. How beautiful. Lakshmi is the goddess of fortune. Whatever fortune, whatever riches, whatever opulences, whatever excellences are there anywhere in this creation is a gift of Lakshmi. She's the presiding controller of all good fortune. She's an expansion of Sri Radha. And yet, Lakshmi Devi, what is her fortune? What is the wealth that she cherishes? We always see her um, offering seva, padasevanam, Worshipping the lotus feet, massaging the feet of Lord Vishnu. So here we are looking for wealth in so many ways, trying to enjoy wealth in so many ways. But the person who has all wealth, she doesn't really care for any of it. 
What she cares is the supreme wealth of loving service to the Lord. What an example that is for us. Um, There's also the example of Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva, he has, he's given up everything of this material world. He's performing the most profound austerities. And what is he doing? He's meditating on the loving service of the Supreme Lord. So Lakshmi Devi, um, she's worshiping the lotus feet of the Lord as the treasure of her life. And in doing so, she's teaching us what is the real treasure of life for all of us. There's a beautiful story how Brigu Muni, um, he kicked Lord Vishnu in the chest. And um, Brahma and Shiva were very angry when he insulted them. But Vishnu, he, he said to Brigu Muni, oh, your feet are so soft and my chest must be so hard. And Lord Vishnu began to massage the feet of his devotee, Brigamuni. And at that time, Lakshmi, she was, so, she was so upset that her beloved Lord was insulted in that way. It was actually a crisis for her. And she left Vaikuntha and came to a holy place in Maharashtra came called Kolapur where there's a temple called Mahalakshmi. In honor of Lakshmi was performing tapasya in Kolapur because how could she be happy if her Lord was insulted? And Lord Vishnu, in, in feelings of separation from Lakshmi, massaging his feet and being by his side, he came down to this world and performed tapasya. And where was he to commemorate that place? Um, the temple is built in Tirupati, Balaji, where Lord Vishnu was performing tapasya to reunite with Lakshmi. So here was, again, a time of crisis that amplifies and exemplifies so in such a special and deep way the path of Padasevanam, what our real wealth is. Archanam, worshiping the Lord in the temple, deity worship. Um, Pritu Maharaj is an example of this. Pritu Maharaj was then an emperor, and yet he never considered anything to be his own. He was fully aware that I am simply the caretaker of Krishna's property. One can attain true peace when one understands that everything is God's 
property. And one engages all one's abilities, one's intelligence, all one's resources in the loving service of the Lord. And this is the beautiful um, opportunity that Krishna has given us in the form of Arachanam, of worshiping the deity in the temple. It's not idol worship. The Lord who has inconceivable transcendental potencies is so merciful and kind. He agrees, she agrees to come in the form of this form so we can see and we can offer and we can center not only our own personal life, but our whole community in remembering the Lord. Um, Prithu Maharaj, Ambarish Maharaj, these various great kings of the world, um, they had their families, they had everything. But ev the center of all was making offerings to Krishna in the temple. And even the greatest renounced acharyas, we have given examples of kings and millionaires and billionaires who focus their life and their hearts on their deities. Radha Govinda, Rupa Goswami Prandanahe, Madan Mohan Sanatan Goswami Prandanahe. All these great acharyas, Madhvacharya, Shankaracharya, Ramanujacharya, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri, Rupa Sanatan, Raghunath Das with his Govardhan Shila. Um, all of these great souls, they taught us this path of archanam, how to offer whatever we have in the loving service of Krishna and how to express that love through our service to the deities. And they also taught us that what pleases the deity most is when we treat the devotees with honor and respect to serve them. And when we act together as, as instruments of compassion to uplift the people of the world, that's actually the highest deity worship. Bandhanam, prayer. Um, In all the great personalities we read about, we hear their prayers to the Lord. Whether it's the Mahaprakash Lila, the devotees of Lord Chaitanya praying to Lord Chaitanya, or the prayers of the great souls in the Srimad Bhagavatam, like the Pandavas, or Dhruva, or Kunti Devi, or Ambarish Maharaj, or Prahlad Maharaj, or Gajendra, or Ranti Dev, or the Gopis, or Gopas. All of these devotees taught us how to achieve perfection through praying. They all prayed, not for Krishna to be 
the order supplier for us. But Krishna, how can I serve you? Let me always remember you with love. Let me always be the servant of the servant of the servant with love and devotion. That's the consistent prayer that all the great souls have prayed. It's at the heart of all prayer. Even Gajendra, when he was in the crocodile, he wasn't praying, Krishna, save me from this crocodile. He was praying, Krishna, I'm yours. When Draupadi, when Draupadi was in such a condition, she threw up her arms and surrendered, Krishna, I'm yours. We can pray for relief. We can pray for overcoming obstacles. But at the heart of the prayer should be a prayer for unconditional loving service. And Krishna will fulfill that prayer if it is offered with sincerity. The person who personifies prayer and the perfection that, it can, that one can achieve through is Akrura. And I wish I had many hours to speak about Akrura. He was in such a critical condition, <laughs> such a difficult condition. He wasn't just going to a church or a synagogue or a masjid or a temple just to pray. He was really in a difficult crisis. Kamsa. Kamsa. He killed the six children of Devaki. He kept Devaki and Vasudeva in prison. He was the arch enemy committed to find Krishna and kill him. He was about to kill even that little baby girl, Yogamaya. So cruel. And most of the, he, he imprisoned his own father, Ugrasena, so that he can have complete power, complete control over everything and everyone. He was so selfish and so so envious and so violent. So most all the Yadus, they left that place. They left Mathura and started hiding in so many other kingdoms. They couldn't be a part of Kamsa. But Akrura, he understood that Krishna had a plan for him. So he stayed in Mathura. He stayed in a very respectful, subordinate, and even cooperative role with Kamsa. Why in the world would a devotee do that? He's a man who's really subject to being misunderstood. And then Kamsa had so much trust in Akrura because Akrura just played the role of his servant so nicely, <laughs> even though his heart was being tortured at every moment by the whole situation. But he knew that the Lord had a plan for him. That Kamsa told Akrura, you go to Brindaban and bring Krishna and Balaram back here so that I will kill them in this wrestling arena. 
So Akura is now on his chariot riding to Brindaban as a representative of Kamsa on the mission of Kamsa. And he knows that if he takes Krishna out of Brindavan like he's supposed to, he knows that the Brijabhasis headed by the gopis are going to be so angry with him. They're going to curse him. He was quite aware of all these things as he was on his way. And when he was on, en route to Brindavan, when he came to the outskirts, he happened to see Krishna's lotus footprints in the, in the very soft soil. And he fell and started crying and offered prayers. Um, why he's the personification of prayer of everybody. We've already heard so many great souls who are praying with pure love, taking shelter of the Lord. He's doing the same thing in such a difficult service, in such a difficult condition. Krishna, no one else will understand me, but Krishna, I'm yours. I'm surrendered to your will. And I know that you will understand me. This was the, this was the um, scenario in which we're given that focus of Akrura as the personification of one who achieves perfection through prayer. And Sevanam, serving. Whatever we do to truly, deeply feel that I am the eternal servant of the Lord. And in that spirit of service, we truly do become fearless because we're depending on Krishna. Srila Prabhupada, what was the nature of his service? And how did he teach us? When, when he would give an instruction and it seemed impossible and devotees expressed just that, Srila Prabhupada would say, impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. <laughs> and what does he mean by that? It means we just try our best. If we just try our best for the pleasure of our gurus, for the pleasure of Krishna, for the upliftment of humanity and all living beings, if we just try our best, we leave the rest to Krishna. We use our good intelligence and all of our abilities. And, you know, Srila Prabhupada himself, he crossed oceans. He had nothing. He had no support of this world at all. He had no no money, no, no friends to help him. All he had was the impossible instruction of his guru. And he prayed. And he found solace in hearing Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. And he was constantly chanting the holy names. So all these things together 
empowered him to give his best to serve. Krishna, I'm yours. And the personification of this Sevanam is given as Hanuman. Nothing was impossible for Hanuman. Hanuman did nothing for his own selfish interest. Everything was for the purpose of Ram. And where we find, and Hanuman was serving his whole life. We don't hear so much about when he was just in Ayodhya serving with Ram <coughs> or when he was in Kishkinda living with all of the other Vanaras, the, the monkeys and in, in, in engaged in loving service. We especially hear about Hanuman's service at a time of crisis when he had to jump over the ocean to rescue Sita who was suffering like anything under the abduction of Ravana and all the obstacles that were coming before Hanuman and how in his service to Ram, he just, nothing was impossible for him. And in the battle, the battle of Lanka, how many times Hanuman, he would, when, when there was such a crisis where Lakshman was unconscious, apparently lifeless after being pierced by the javelin of Indrajit, of Ravana, Hanuman, he leapt to the Himalayas. He lifted an entire mountain to bring back the healing herb. So Hanuman's spirit of seva was so much at a time of great crisis. And Sakyam, to become a friend of the Lord. Suradam Sarvabhutanam. That Krishna tells in the Gita, I am the, the dear most well-wishing friend of every living being within your heart. Suradam Sarvabhutanam. Krishna is within each heart. He's within my heart and your heart. And seated in the heart, he is our most loving friend, most well-wishing friend, just waiting for us to turn to him. And when we turn to our ever-well-wishing friend of Krishna, then Krishna see, then we become Krishna's friend. Friendship is reciprocal. We read about the gopas of Vrindavan. They were Krishna's friends because they had this friendly attitude. Lord Krishna was, was reciprocating with all of them on an equal level where he was giving them the greatest intimate joy of playing together, being together. And they were giving the greatest joy to Krishna. And the person who personifies how to achieve perfection through friendly relations with Krishna is Arjuna. He was Krishna's 
dear, dear friend. They would sit together, they would walk together, they would reveal their minds to each other. They were approximately the same age. They were cousin brothers. And in those days, a cousin brother is a brother. Such friendship they had. But at the time of the greatest need, as was explained a few minutes ago, when Arjuna was on that battlefield of Kurukshetra, his friendship with Krishna was in completely taking shelter of Krishna. And then after hearing the instructions of, of the Bhagavad Gita, his friendship was expressed through executing the order of Krishna. And such a friendship, as Arjuna was executing the order of the Lord, the Lord saw him as such a friend. Krishna the whole time was Arjuna's chariot driver. Sometimes Arjuna was instructing Krishna. Sometimes Krishna was instructing Arjuna. <laughs> it was a friendship of love. And Atman Vedanam, surrender. Surrendering everything. Atman Vedanam, surrendering one's body, mind, words, and very life and soul in the service of the Lord. This idea of surrender is the very conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. Sarvadharman paritya mame kam sharanam braja aham tvam sarvapapebhyo moksha yisami masujaha Krishna says, abandon all varieties of religion, of dharma, of occupation, and just surrender to me. I shall protect you from all reactions of sins. Do not fear. I just yesterday heard a recording of our beloved Guru Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, and he was very much emphatic that Krishna consciousness is not sectarian. Because Krishna says, Sarvadharman Paritya. That means abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me. And Srila Prabhupada explained, at the heart of every religion is surrendering to God. The external processes that we may have, they are all meant specifically and exclusively to bring us to that heart of surrendering to the will of God. And this surrender is the deepest expression of love, of gratitude. We don't surrender to God out of fear, although that is a lesser level of surrender, to surrender out of fear. But when we truly are grateful, grateful for the gifts of God's grace, then we surrender with love. I'm yours. 
Um, the example of this is Bali Maharaj. And um, it describes he was given a beautiful planet and he lived with the Lord in a mood of total surrender for a long, long duration of time. But still, when we hear about Bali's surrender as an example for us, it's the time of the greatest crisis of his life. Where um, it's described in Srimad Bhagavatam, Bali Maharaj was a great king. He was very, very loved. He was very famous. He was very honored by everyone. He had so much wealth. And little Vamanadev, a little dwarf, who was an avatar of Vishnu, he took everything away from him. He took away all his property. He took away all his relatives. He took away um, all his prestige, <laughs> everything. And then Vamanadev said, um, you promised me three steps of land. In two steps, I've taken everything you have away from you. So now you are, you are not telling the truth. He tied him up. Where should I put my third step? And Bali Maharaj in ecstasy. It was, the, it was the most joyful moment of his life where all of his family and all of his friends and all of his armies and all of his citizens were looking at him with, with he's lost everything. So embarrassing. But he was feeling honored. He said, my Lord, Place your third step on my head. My body, my mind, my words, my life belong to you. In that surrender, he was completely liberated. And the Lord actually gave him everything and everyone back multiplied by thousands and millions of times greater. But that wasn't his wealth. That wasn't his greatness. His greatness was in his love, which was expressed in surrender. When Lord Chaitanya was in Puri, the great scholar, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, he asked Lord Chaitanya, of the nine processes of devotional service, which is most important? Lord Chaitanya's reply was kirtanam, chanting the names and the glories of the Lord because it's accessible to all of us at every moment. And our beloved Acharyas and Srila Prabhupada, they taught us that all these nine processes of devotional service, whichever one we perform, it is always interwoven with kirtan. through the chanting of God's names, 
we can achieve the highest perfection of life. It's the Yuga Dharma. But hearing and remembering and offering our prayers and worshiping the Lord in the temple and surrendering everything and becoming a friend of the Lord, all of, serving the Lord in the Lord's lotus feet, all of these processes prepare our minds and our consciousness in such a way that when we chant the Lord's names, we're actually in a state of consciousness, a state of mind, a state of shelter where Krishna reciprocates and reveals himself. Saravanam kirtanam, smaranabandhanam, padasevana dasyade, pujana sakijana atmani vedana. These nine limbs of bhakti, the nine processes of devotional service are at the very heart of our spiritual practice and they are the supreme gift that has been bestowed upon all of us. Lord Chaitanya and his devotees have taught us in such a practical way in today's day and age how to apply these nine processes to our lives, to share them with one another and with the world. In the coming classes, exalted special devotees will be um, illustrating the glories of each and every one of these divine processes of bhakti. And I'm very honored, very grateful that I've had this opportunity to speak a few words to you as an introduction to the coming speakers. I thank you very much. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much. That was so enlightening. We could go on for another few hours. (laughs) (laughs) I know you have other commitments and other devotees who are on. We have over a thousand devotees live on YouTube and Zoom from all over the world. Um, and more will watch later. So we thank everyone who's made the time and the effort to come and join um, this first of 10 wonderful sessions. Um, we will, Maharaj, do you have five or 10 minutes for some questions? I know we are a little over time. I am, I am your Shoda Dulal Prabhu. I am only here because you have dragged me here. So I'm completely at your disposal according to your wish. You are too kind, Guru Maharaj. Thank you. Um, So before we um, begin the questions, there are numerous questions, but uh, we'll ask one or two at least. Um, I wanted to welcome His Holiness Jay Dvaita Swami, who has been on since the beginning of the session, as well as Radesham Prabhu, the head of the Pune community and dynamic monk. So there are many exalted souls here, but I wanted to welcome these two especially. So with that, let me get to the questions. So several of you asked uh, a question or asked a question each 
that was almost identical so i'm going to distill it into one so janavi jeevana janavi harrison uh, jamuna jeevani uh, divyanam prabhu and dhir krishna prabhu all asked questions along the same lines so shila prabhupad gave us nine processes but uh, we are given instructions that we can attain perfection by following just one or two we ourselves might have taste uh, for a specific process or two or three out of the nine um and we have so many responsibilities um there's you know family commitments job and so on and so forth and also the the issue of taste so how do we balance the need to have all these nine processes in our lives follow these but maybe we are uh, emphasizing one or two in particular how should we understand it um yashodatula prabhu can you be a little more clear when you say we're emphasizing well because we talk about uh, shravanam for example or kirtanam being very important and also the practice of japa or kirtan might be emphasized in an institutional context um whereas it might be to many devotees taste but some devotees might not have a taste for that some devotees might be into deity worship or uh, into remembering um so how do we balance individual taste maybe uh, instructions that we hear and um, you know then we also hear that all nine processes are important so there's a confusion that devotees want to express and have you clear up <laughs> <laughs> if if we examine our our own lives as devotees um all of these nine processes have a place in our in our devotional lives um you know shila prabhupada established these beautiful temples all over the world where and just with the same spirit as the previous acharyas who established temples where we come together as communities where we can associate with devotees in a very holy atmosphere and we can practice hearing and chanting and deity worship and all of these other processes um you know whatever we're doing we're trying to do it in the mood of being the eternal servant of the lord and that's sevanam and we're associating with devotees and sometimes going to holy places that's padas sevanam and we're trying to to hear the from reading these wonderful books shrila prabhupada has given us from hearing the lectures and the talks from chanting the holy names we're absorbed trying to absorb in remembering the lord so um in this way actually we're all involved in all nine processes of devotional service they're all interconnected um but what's important especially at this particular time that sravanam kirtanam uh, are our foundational basis by getting by being absorbed in hearing about krishna and being absorbed in chanting the names of krishna it gives spiritual power and it gives special blessing and grace to all the other processes of devotional service that we are engaged in and we don't have to worry about having a checklist of which of the nine processes we're engaged in um you know some of us are pujaris some of us have deities at home some of us are 
preachers and 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 lecturers and some of us are book distributors and some of us are are working at home and and um, working occupations and raising a family in Krishna consciousness. So in all these ways, we should be able to um, to recognize how whatever we're doing is connected to one of one or more of these nine processes of devotional service. And by doing that, by recognizing that, and recognizing how this is a connection with the Lord and a way to connect to the Lord, then every aspect of our life will actually be devotional service. Thank you, Maharaj. It's uh, like it's like it's like Shravanam Kirtanam is like a foundation and um, that foundation in and of itself is perfect and complete. But it's foundational in the sense that all the other seven processes of devotional service, in order to really have that spiritual connection, need to be built upon hearing and chanting in the association of devotees. And that is why Srila Prabhupada gave us this his books and gave us at the time of initiation to live according to these four regulative principles and to, to chant the holy names at least 16 rounds. And then whatever else we do in the day, um, you know, the, it, can, it can be empowered and surcharged with, with, with Guru and Krishna's grace. And everything we do in the day can actually, if, if it's done properly in the right consciousness, it could be within the category of these nine processes of devotional service. This way we're, we could be constantly engaged. Thank you, Marge. Um, some devotees asked a question about crisis. You mentioned how crisis makes us take shelter of Krishna much more deeply. But uh, if there is no obvious crisis in one's life and things are comfortable, then how does one take shelter of these nine processes sincerely? Do we have to manufacture a crisis or how do we generate that internal urge? <laughs> we were trying to explain how these examples of the nine processes of devotional service, um, the special um, lens in which we're given to see them is at times of crisis. And in most cases, why? Because Padam padam yadvi padam natesham, because it's the nature of this world. Crisis has come. Um, as was said, these, these Mahajans, these great personalities, even when everything was so perfect and so nice and everything was going so harmonious and smoothly, they were totally absorbed in their, in their devotion. But... Srila Prabhupada explained a person's greatness is estimated by how they pass through, tolerate difficult circumstances. And 
wherever we see greatness in any field of life, we usually see it in the context of the conflicts that they've, that they've um, passed through. Like in, in this world, um, people see Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela as being great. But if, you know, they went to prison, they were misunderstood. Um, Haridas Thakur, he was, he was beaten in 22 marketplaces. Um, wherever we really see lasting greatness, we usually focus on how that person passed through great tribulations, trials, and tests. And they, and they remained committed to their ideal. And um, we don't have to look for crisis. We don't have to pray for crisis. It will come. It's just the nature of this world. It will come. And if you're living in Maharashtra now, you don't, the rains are going to come. The monsoon rains come. If you're living in New York City, you know that winter's coming. <laughs> So in this material world, we, knew, we know that happiness and distress and pleasure and pain and honor and dishonor, these things are all inseparable from, from each other. And they're coming and going. So, you know, in, in one sense, we practice in our life to be spiritually strong. We practice in our life, even at the best of times, to, to take shelter of Krishna. And unless we do that, we won't really be able to take shelter at a time of crisis. So we should be steady. We should be steady even if there isn't crisis specifically inflicted upon us physically, we know through hearing from the scriptures and hearing from the sages that underlying everything, there's always crisis in this material world. That's why it's so important to hear sincerely because when we hear sincerely, we, we can recognize that this whole material world, Kamala Dala Jala Jeevanatalamala, everything is perishing, everything is temporary, every, anything could happen at any time. And that doesn't make us afraid. That just helps us to be prepared, whether it's visible or not. The sufferings of material existence are always there. And we should recognize that and take shelter of Krishna through, through the path of bhakti. So whether we're in the midst of a crisis or we know there's crisis brewing beneath the sea, beneath what the external appearance are at all times, or whether we know it's inevitable. That's knowledge. 
with that understanding, we take shelter. And when the tests come, that's when the opportunity for greatness is actually available to us. And in, in Krishna consciousness, greatness is in taking shelter of God's greatness. Because in one sense, when people are praising you, when people are glorifying you, when people are bowing down before you, when people are celebrating your success, if we're hearing good, we understand this is a crisis. This is a crisis where I could be completely um, defeated by my false ego. I could be completely subjugated by this anarta that I'm the doer of my activities. And in those times, you know, we, we, we take shelter. We take shelter in honor. We take shelter in dishonor. We take in shelter in heat. We take shelter in cold. We take shelter in success. We take shelter in failure because we understand the double-edged razor, the double-edged sword of the material nature. We could be trapped by either one. Does that answer the question? Yes, Maharaj. Thank you so much. So in, in a sense, as, as service of the Vaishnavas, we're trying to make devotees as happy, as comfortable, and, and as, as possible. We're not trying to... We're not serving the devotees by making their lives miserable. We're serving devotees by trying to make each other as, 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 as happy as possible. But um, we know the nature of this world. And our service really is along with, you know, we don't, when somebody comes to our home, we don't give them something terrible to eat so that they suffer miserably and get sick and have to take shelter of Krishna. We give them the best, most tasty and most nutritious food. That's the way we serve Vaishnavas. But at the same time, um, you know, through our example, through our prayers, through our community, we, we're, we're helping each other in whatever situation to, to know that there is danger at every step and, and Krishna's forever our ever well-wishing friend and shelter. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Shula Prabhupada Ki Jai. His Holiness Radhanath Swami Maharaj Ki Jai. His Holiness Jayadvaita Swami Maharaj Ki Jai. Itai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Primarande. Yeah,